This is episode 23 of Extraordinary Women Radio. Welcome to Extraordinary Women Radio. I am your host, Cami Gellner. Women are being called to live with voice, vitality, and vigor. Each month, join me for wisdom-filled interviews with extraordinary women living out loud and making a difference in our world. Their stories will uplift, inspire, and spark your own purpose-driven journey. Connection, community, cool women doing cool things. This seems to have been the theme of my life this past week. I hosted my Extraordinary Women Connect event this past week where we brought together a whole room of women to connect in meaningful story and conversation. I've heard from several of the attendees since then, and the feedback always gives me the biggest smile. They tell me, I connected with some really amazing women. The stories were so real and so vulnerable. I can't wait to see where this is going to take me, this new connection that I've made. And when I hear this, I will tell you how I feel about this. It, it just lights up my heart. It makes me feel so good. It makes me feel like I'm doing what I'm supposed to be doing in my life. It takes courage for women to share and get vulnerable, to really stand in their truth. But when they do, that's where the magic happens. Stories make our world go round. And as we talk about in today's Extraordinary Women Radio, questions mixed in with a bit of curiosity opens that door. It's such a simple gesture to ask a great question and then simply listen. My hope for you this week is that you consider how you might connect more deeply with someone you meet, to ask a courageous question, and then to simply give that person the honor of listening, to letting them tell their story. Notice how you feel and notice how they feel being heard. So often we just don't get heard in our society. There's so many people talking out. So give someone the opportunity to really tell their story. And today's Extraordinary Women Radio features a delightful storyteller, a delightful interview with ML Hansen. ML is the founder of the Colorado Women's Hall of Fame among so much more that she's already done in her impressive career. And as I, you probably already know, as I've mentioned to you in the past, I get to partner with the Colorado Women's Hall of Fame in telling so many of their stories. And so I'm really, really honored to get to interview ML today. ML is a pioneering, groundbreaking woman who set out to leave a legacy. And wow, has she ever left a legacy. In the late 70s and early 80s, ML Hansen observed that the professional lives of contemporary women were changing. Women wanted to and expected to be treated equally to men in their professional lives. Yeah, what a concept, right? And as assistant vice president at the United Bank of Denver, ML found herself in the role of trailblazer. She was impressed by the vitality of the women she met and inspired by the pioneering accomplishment of women in Colorado's history. And she began to dream, to dream of a platform where great woman, women would be recognized. So ML tells more about the story, how it all unfolded in the interview, so I won't spoil it here. But suffice it to say that ML went on to found the Colorado Women's Hall of Fame. 
And since it, its inception in 1985, the hall has inducted 152 visionary and trailblazing women from the past and present who have connected, who have a connection to Colorado. The Colorado Women's Hall of Fame inductees includes teachers and doctors and scientists, politicians, social activists, bankers, newspaper publishers, philanthropists, aviation pioneers, humanitarians, and authors. And so many women in the hall are unsung heroes, those hidden figures who have endured superlative strength, beauty, and love. They deserve our respect and acknowledgement as shining examples of the potential of all women. Their accomplishments are a strong legacy, as tall as the Rocky Mountains they stand beside, and as broad as the plains they look out upon, and have shaped history and transformed lives. ML certainly fits in this group of extraordinary women. Today, she shares her journey through her career. And she shares the story about how she is going to be leaving a legacy, how she is making her mark on the world. Let's meet the Colorado Women's Hall of Fame founder, ML Hansen. Hi, ML. It's great to have you on. Thanks, Cami. It's great to be on. It was really an honor when you asked that, uh, if I'd be willing to give an interview. Well, I'm honored to have you on today. I really am. It's been so much fun partnering with the, the Colorado Women's Hall of Fame. Um, it's just amazing some of the women that I'm getting to interview through you guys. So thank you for that. Well, I didn't have much to do with uh, setting up the partnership, but it sounds like it's really going well. It is. I'm just really honored. So I want to start with digging in with, on your story, and I'd like you to tell me about a defining time that's just forever shaped your life. It can be a situation or just a specific time in your life, something that changed the path you were on and the journey you were on, and tell me what it was and how it's changed things for you. Oh, well, we'll be going back uh, quite a few years. Um, what is the... I think probably the most defining decision that I made was making Colorado my home. Ah. Um, I moved to the East Coast. Okay. I'm actually coastal. I was brought up in, in uh, the Pacific Northwest in Seattle, Washington, um, and went to uh, college there. And then I was in what I refer to as my training marriage and <laughs> ended up leaving uh, Seattle and moving to the East Coast. And after living there for seven years, um, we decided that things weren't really working out very well. And I thought that I was on this complete path. It was during the 60s, and I thought I was on this path to become a faculty wife. And I thought that that's what my Ph.D. husband, where we were uh, kind of going. And that didn't seem to be working out either. And we moved to Colorado and... Um, and I decided to stay here. And I was no longer married, and I needed to, of course, work. Um, and for someone who thought she was going to be a faculty wife, I ended up by becoming a bit of a pioneer in commercial banking. And I am absolutely convinced that what I've been able to do here in Colorado, particularly with the Colorado Women's Hall of Fame, that I never would have been able to accomplish that kind of thing if I were still living in a large East Coast city. I mean, 
Colorado just has such a great pioneering spirit and it's so much more open and entrepreneurial and whatever. And I can't see myself fighting through the various classes and whatever in a Philadelphia or a Providence. Uh, here, I felt like I really have been able to just do a lot more and be more of a contributor. So being a Coloradan by choice has really shaped me. What do you think it is about Colorado that just really engages that pioneer spirit? Well, we certainly don't have the same kind of socioeconomic kind of wealth and old families. Mm -hmm. uh, our old families are still kind of new. Right. And, and they had to make it on their own. They didn't necessarily inherit all of their money. Mm -hmm. We've got some brilliant people here. And it seems to have such a great economic environment for people starting businesses. I've started a couple, and one of my specialties when I was a commercial lender, actually, was working with small businesses, particularly women-owned businesses. Yeah, and, and I, you have gone through, so you, you you were in the corporate world, you were in the banking world, you um, have founded several companies, you founded the Colorado Women's Hall of Fame. I mean, it's just, there's a lot of seeds that you have planted over the years. Is that Would you say that that's a... Um, one of your gifts is planting seeds? Uh, maybe. Uh, I tell my husband that he's the startup junkie, but <laughs> I think and kind of the, the founder junkie. Okay. Uh, but being a founder board member for uh, Metro Volunteers and doing a lot of new things like the AMC Cancer Research Center, we were doing the women's event, you know, first time women were really raising money for. Uh, their own health, and just on and on. But the Colorado Women's Hall of Fame and the Women's Leadership Foundation are probably the two things that are biggest for me and have continued to be important to me um, right up till today. Very good. How were this? Can you tell us a little bit about how the seeds of the Colorado Women's Hall of Fame were planted? Yeah, I was uh, elected to be state president of Business and Professional Women, the Colorado Federation of Business and Professional Women. And that required going to, you know, a number of conferences. And I had been working my way kind of up the chairs uh, for a few years. And um, it was during the 80s, it was 1984. And there was a lot going on in Colorado right then. And a lot going on in the women's community. Uh, the Women's Bank had been started just about in the late 70s, uh, the Women's Foundation came about. There were just so many organizations that were starting, and we were just on fire. In fact, one of our inductees, uh, when we get together, we compare notes about what it was like because um, we were just really, really busy, and uh, so much was going on. And so that was kind of the climate. So I went back to a conference in January, February of 1985, and one of the seminars and one of the presentations was about how do we really honor women? How are we uh, bringing their stories to light? And um, one or two states had started a Women's Hall of Fame, but they were associated with like a university or a women's commission or something like that, and they've been working on it for many years. 
And I had been sort of looking around for what can I leave as a legacy for this incredible leadership opportunity that I was so honored to get by being the state president for BPW. So I came back to Denver and started talking to a lot of other women from BPW, uh, somebody from the Molly Brown House who was an employee there, uh, some other community leaders, and just saying, do you think we're really doing enough to bring women's stories to bear? I got I to gotta ask the Molly Brown House, who was them? Do you remember the employee that you, that you worked with it was, there? It was Marcia Skye. Okay, I knew her. Right. And, and I knew another woman that was there. Um, her name was Pam. I can't remember her last name, but I do remember Marcia as well. So, okay, go ahead. It just that, that caught my attention. She's I kind of like the, the founding moms, you know, but right. she served on the board. So, anyway, I was just kind of poking around and trying to see where's the gap here. Um, are we really doing enough for women? Uh, or do we have awards? Or what's going on? Simultaneous with this, uh, with my very open-ended sort of focus groups, um, one of my dearest, closest friends had two daughters, and they were in grade school, and they were charged with writing a paper about leadership. And both my friend Rose, the, the mom, and myself were pretty avid feminists, really believing in equality and, and moving the, the needle for women in whatever endeavor they had. And we found that the girls were having a lot of difficulty in the library being able to find any source documents to write about women leaders. Oh, interesting. And actually, I used this example that or that story in a presentation that I made last week uh, for the Colorado Women's Hall of Fame. And part of what I used in my discussion was a quote from this paper that little Maggie had written when she was in fourth grade. <laughs> That's awesome. Nine years old and talking about how she got to meet Alita Crane and, you know, all of these other women that we were inducting. So coming together with a, a personal kind of thing and then the larger picture of not having women in history. Right. It's like we're truly we were those invisible people mm -hmm. and and so um i convened uh, a group of of women and we decided that the hall of fame was the best way to be able to highlight women that it wouldn't just be an award but it would be really writing them into history and mm -hmm. so we formed the colorado women's hall of fame our first founding board we um uh, we're very careful about how we wanted to do our affiliation. And I'm so glad that we were strict about that because most all, there are only 17 uh, other uh, women's halls of fame in the country uh, that are statewide. And um, I think just about all of them are affiliated with a state university or college or a women's commission or something like that. And um, we wanted to be able to avoid any undue influence. We wanted to be completely independent as a 501c3 so we could raise money the way that we wanted and use it the way we wanted to. And it turns out that that was fairly smart because it wasn't too many years after that that the Arizona Women's Hall of Fame inducted a woman 
um, and their organization was affiliated with the state university. And uh, the state legislature, since it was tax dollar funded, uh, suspended them for 10 years because the woman they inducted had been very active in reproductive health. Oh, wow. Wow. So yeah. it was outside forces that were saying they, that, you know, basically controlling who they could put into that, those, the, those um, inductee roles. And that would also mean that those women's stories would not be out there. Right. Right. They would be lost. That's such stories. censorship. Yeah. That's such censorship. Um, and so that it was really important that this was an independent organization that um, did not have outside influences. And so that, that was a really smart setup early on. Well, we prided ourselves on having a selection committee that was independent. Mm -hmm. uh, no one had any undue influence. Mm -hmm. And that uh, over the years, of course, it's improved. I mean, remember the Hall of Fame started in my living room. Um, <laughs> old VHS tape um, that has been edited down so that, you know, you can tolerate <laughs> all the chatter. But it was basically all of us talking about why don't we have a Hall of Fame and how surprised we are that we don't. And Colorado being so pioneering and forward-looking and um, having been the first state to actually, you know, pass the vote for women. Right. So what's going on here? How come we don't have any history? Right. right. And so, and so um, you, you wrote, wrote it into history. Yeah. And so we were sitting around on the floor in chairs and, you know, with big shoulder pads and big hair. <laughs> That's awesome. That's, and I, I do remember those. I was around in those days. Um, so how's the organization, how has this organization impacted your life? If you were to just to say from an overall overarching scheme of things, how has it changed things for you? I've learned so much from the inductees. Mm -hmm. the, the ladies are just incredible. And I was fortunate enough to know some of them. So before they passed. Mm -hmm. Uh, and each of them, like Jean Yancey or Alita Crane, and Lorea Ruling is still with us, and she was, you know, going to be the first uh, Women's Bank president. And I've just learned a lot from them, and that was a huge impact um, to be able to be in touch with those women and to have such incredible role models, which is exactly what, the, you know, the hall is, is definitely about. The, the other thing that has changed for me because of the Colorado Women's Hall of Fame is I feel like I have been able to create a legacy. Totally. And I feel very strongly that everyone should have one. I would agree with that. Um, that's one of the things that um, I loved in my own work, love to help people get really clear about what is the legacy? What's your purpose? Why are you here? Because we're all giving these wonderful gifts that we can share with the world if we just put clarity and intention around our journey it we can find our legacy and mm. it, it takes hard work as I, i'm sure you would attest to um through this um how has um when you think about colorado women leaders you know from from the mid 80s to today 
How has that shifted and, ch and changed? I don't know if I want to limit it just from the 80s. Mm -hmm. We have uh, a heritage of strong, important women uh, that actually were making contributions to Colorado when it was still a territory. Mm -hmm. And so I think that uh, the, the women that were the real pathfinders uh, were who laid the groundwork for those of us that, that came after what I see with uh, in more recent times, uh, the eighties to a certain extent being more recent times, certainly uh, not the 1880s. Um, and so since the 1980s, what we've seen is a lot more women entering into what had considered to be male dominated industries. Mm -hmm. um, and I certainly felt that because when I moved to Denver, in 1972 and had to really start a real a real career I was hired by a bank and I was the first woman to be an analyst in that particular a commercial loan analyst in that particular division and for the first few days maybe even up to a week um, the guys wouldn't even have coffee with me and oh, finally wow. got curious and so you know, we went to the cafeteria, and as we're walking along, one of them turns to me and says, you know, a man is never going to go to a woman for money, so you might as well forget about being a commercial loan officer. Wow. So that was the culture. Now, uh, fast forward, and it really wasn't that fast, believe me, um, <laughs> now we have tons of women who are in heavy-duty managerial positions. Um, we have women who are CEOs of large corporations. Yes. Uh, our Colorado base. Uh, we are getting, we're working very hard through the Women's Leadership Foundation and the Board Bound program that we're doing to get more women on corporate boards, which has become an enormous economic advantage for those corporations. Because every time you have three or more women on a corporate board, your return on sales, return on investment, shareholder value, uh, employee retention, all the metrics are substantially double-digitly improved. So and isn't that exciting I, that they're tracking those numbers? I, when Every time I see those numbers now, I just it, it makes me feel so good because I think that's what creates change. It absolutely does. You have to have that picture in front of you. And if you can see that woman who has been able to do this and learn how she was able to do it, and it might have been a very different course than what a man had done. But just having that diversity of thought in the decision-making room is such more fertile ground for innovation. Right. Right. And, and just seeing things through a different lens. Um, you know, you get diversity around the table. You're going to see things differently. You are going to bring more innovation. You are going to bring more um, or bring new ideas or different ideas to the table. And it makes for better decisions. I absolutely agree. Yeah. And I think that's why we see such positive financial metrics underlying that when it happens. It's, it is very exciting to see that. 
Well, and if you look at uh, Colorado's huge proportion of women-owned businesses as well. And that's it, growing, right? That's totally it, growing. And this is startup week in Denver. So you know there are a lot of right. women up pitches for their businesses. And that feeds right back to our original discussion about the entrepreneurial and pioneering atmosphere that we have here. It is, it is a culture of innovation. Right, right. And it's exciting to see Colorado just becoming such a, so nationally known as, you know, that next Silicon Valley um, that is here in Colorado, you know, who, who doesn't want to move to Colorado because it is a fabulous place to live. But the, that energy of, um, you know, it, it is the grit energy, right? It's the grit of, yes, I can do this. Here's the visions. Here's the ideas. Um, let's make this happen. Absolutely. And at this point in time, I would not be using the Silicon Valley as a very good example of how women are treated. Right. That's very true. <laughs> that's very true. And so that's, and, and maybe that's where Colorado can really take such a different leadership role. I mean, with the good work that you guys are doing with Colorado Women's Hall of Fame, with the Women's Foundation, you know, really taking on new energy, new life. Um, there's so much going on even today. And maybe it's, and I, you know, I don't, remember this so much back in the mid eighties, but you know, you were talking about the environment that we were in that really was, was driving that up. Um, you know, changing things. Maybe we're in this next round of, of, of push and, um, and transformation for women's journeys. It could be. Um, I think there is a lot going on. And the Women's Leadership Foundation, which is the organization that, that I am so involved with, um, the Women's Foundation is fabulous. And I was around when it started, too, in the 80s. But the Women's Leadership Foundation is really taking this, uh, this task of getting more women on boards as though it is two things. One, social change. And, um, and two, economic development. Right. And when it can be demonstrated that women are so very productive and contributing so much, then I think that that sets the bar. Yes. And we all have to get there. Yes. Very good. So you've had such a beautiful journey in your life and, you know, serving in the various roles across different business careers through different nonprofit organizations and entrepreneurial enterprises. Is there a theme, is there a consistent theme that, that comes across that big grand journey of yours? I think that it really has been a theme of consistently finding or creating projects that uh, would support women mm -hmm. and be an advocate for women um, and and that in itself is a, a, a social change phenomena. Uh, much of what I have done, because I was the first woman for a number of different positions that I had, and also having the opportunity to move across sector lines to go from, you know, corporate into nonprofit leadership as well. Um, right. And being a CEO of, of several nonprofits, that each one of them had had something uh, that we could do, at the very least, to be more inclusive. 
and at the very most to be actually directly advocating and promoting for the interests of women. And raising the bar with each one of those, it sounds like. I hope so. Um, But overall, I guess I would say that mostly it was about, for me, that my theme would be very much about being an advocate for women, um, sponsoring women, mentoring them. And now with the Board Bound program, uh, training them as well so that there can be some um, progressive steps for them as they move from community boards to a, a private and, and publicly traded corporate boards. So it, it's a training basically to take them um, into that um, next level again, um, getting onto those public boards. Well, actually, it's in two parts. Uh, the community board-bound program is more curriculum-based, and okay. so that would be what you would say is training. Okay. And we're going to be relaunching that as a certificate program um, probably the first part of 2018. But it's been going for five years, and we've been placed we've placed dozens and dozens of women on community boards. And the advantage for them is they not only get to learn boardroom culture, but they probably are rubbing elbows with people they would not be able to do in their normal day job. Right. And then with corporate board bound, that is more directly a mentoring program where we match. uh, Many times it's a C-suite woman uh, and always matched with somebody who is a seated corporate board member. Mm -hmm. And that board member mentors them helps them create their board biography, their uh, board value statement, prepares them for interviews, gets them networked, um, helps them work through what they, what else they need in order to be well positioned to be on a corporate board. And we just launched the, the latest cohort of that uh, last week. Oh, awesome. That sounds great. And if people want to find out about that, where would they go to? They would go to uh, the website, womensleadershipfoundation.org. Okay. And we'll put that on the, um, we'll put that on the webpage as well. So make sure that we get that on there so people can go to it if they are interested in learning more. That'd be great. Thank you. What do you consider to be your life's work? Oh boy. (laughs) Um, I guess my life's work has been to be a convener. Mm. Tell me, you know, we don't do stuff alone, you know. No, we certainly do not. So convener. <laughs> so tell me more about, you know, what makes you um, wonderful as a convener. Well, I didn't, I didn't, I don't necessarily know if I'm wonderful at it, but it's what <laughs> I do. And, and so uh, with all the boards of directors that I've served on, and uh, all of the community projects, whether you know, it was the hall or, or whatever, it was saying, hey, I think I'm seeing something missing here. Will you have a conversation with me about it? Mm. What do you think about that? And really, I think questions are the most powerful thing in the world. I think that the right questions act as sort of a... Um, an intellectual intervention and gets people really thinking about things that um, I'd like them to think about. I totally agree. I mean, it's the questions are just so 
so much fun to play in. And I think that's why I have so much fun with these interviews because I get to ask a lot of questions and be curious. Um, it's more fun on your side of the phone than mine. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I really do enjoy it. And it's, it's um, I think the, I mean, even in my coaching work, when I'm working with clients, that's, you know, it's all about the question. And what I like about what you just said there is, is when you're talking about the question, you can start to see where there's gaps or there's, there's some place to, to go and move into to, to bring about change, to make a difference with it. So it's, it's, I think I really like that, that you're a convener, that you like questions, and you're looking to kind of fill those gaps. Yeah, I think that that kind of uh, describes um, and ties in with, with my life theme as well. Very good. Very good. And so as you look across this very impressive list of awards and recognitions and from all local and national organizations, it's so impressive. And you've led organizations and you've started multiple organizations. What do you attribute of your own skill set to all this wonderful success? Hmm. Well, um, in terms of my skill set, um, I think, I don't know if this is uh, a skill or if it's a quality. Okay. But I think of inquisitiveness mm -hmm. as being really important. And that goes right back to asking the right question. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. open to that. Um, I can take absolutely no credit for um, my gene pool. <laughs> you know, uh, maybe I have been gifted and maybe I have not, depending on who you might be talking to. Um, but um, I think that being willing to uh, take some risks and do different things that maybe somebody hadn't done before mm -hmm. uh, helped. Um, and when I made the leap from corporate to nonprofit administration and management. It was not at a time when nonprofits necessarily had a, a great reputation and, and yet I truly believed that it was going to be a, a pretty fast growing sector. And it's turned out that it has been the fastest growing uh, sector in the economy for, for quite some time. Um, and what made you take that leap at that time that um, you said, you know, I'm gonna, because that was a big leap, right? To, to take that at saying, I'm going this direction? Uh, I wanted to combine some parts of my life. Um, while I was in commercial banking, um, you know, clawing my way to the middle, um, it was um, uh, one of the ways that I was able to gain some experience that I wasn't able to get at uh, the first bank that I worked for um, I was able to gain some leadership skills and some other knowledge and whatever by working in the community, whether it was on a board of directors or whether it was a, an association or whatever. And so I had been doing that um, for 15 years. And although it was separate from my work, things had started to blend more together. Um, 
people were saying, oh, my gosh, if she's able to go out and raise those thousands of dollars for whatever the cause was, maybe she really could do business development. Mm. Duh. Okay. <laughs> right. <laughs> it was just a blinding flash of the obvious. And so um, by moving into the nonprofit sector, into the social sector, what I hoped to do was to bring um, a business attitude with heart combined with my community leadership and that there might be some benefit there for the organization and their missions as well as creating a combination being able to to repackage the different skills that I had from both sectors right and was there a personal drive for you um, that you wanted to make a difference that there was some sort of a calling that, that helped along that way? Well, I think we all ha have a certain, uh, the answer is yes, but it, it, um, I don't know why you would choose not to make a difference. Right. Right. I don't know why people would choose not to do well. To sit back and, and, and not take the, put the initiative out there. Yeah, and um, I um, I still was going to be very involved in the community, but I thought if I could have organizational improvement uh, with some of the nonprofits that were just kind of limping along, um, right. very hand to mouth, right. then that that was good enough. It was a big way that you could be a change maker in the midst of all of that. Yeah, very good, very good. So who have been your personal heroes and how have they made a difference in your life? My sheroes. Yes. I love that <laughs> word. I totally uh, love that word. Um, well, you know, uh, I've been very lucky. I've been very fortunate because there are so many. Right. I was and actually thinking that, you know, as <laughs> where the position that you have been as part of Colorado Women's Hall of Fame it's like you've, you've been exposed to just some amazing, amazing women. Absolutely. And so I look at the roster of the inductees, and it's extremely difficult just to pick one out. Now, one woman who was particularly influential for me and really gave me a leg up, and I consider her to be an incredible mentor for me, um, was um, Jean Yancey. Okay. And Jean Yancey was a, a local businesswoman. She was an entrepreneur. Um, she did receive uh, the White House, uh, I think it was a women's entrepreneur, a small business, small business advocate award at the White House. Wow. Um, she started the Women in Business Conference here mm -hmm. in Colorado. One of the things that she did that was so amazing, and I was definitely a beneficiary of this, it helped my, my career so much, uh, was that she would pick a bunch of us and put us up there on the podium and have us talk about our careers and about our professions. And also, you know, how to get a loan from banks. That seemed to be one of the things I talked about a lot. Mm -hmm. uh, As a teacher. Yeah. Uh-huh. Um, and... Um, and Jean was, was just amazing. And she was a mentor. 
I swear to half of the business women in, in Denver, uh, just a, a, a fabulous person, uh, enormously bright and generous. And she was one of the women that we inducted at the very, very beginning of the Colorado Women's Hall of Fame. Nice. And was with us for a long time, but never long enough. Ah. And how did she help you stretch your own capabilities? Well, I, you know, I don't, could always call her up and say, okay, I'm kind of faced with this decision. You know, should I, should I move to this other bank? Should I, should I accept that promotion? Um, uh, we used to have kind of a joke that every time I got promoted, um, I needed to call her and find out what kind of a pillow I should have for my chair so that I'd hit high, hit high enough behind the desk. <laughs> That's awesome. That's very awesome. Um, but by she turned me into a speaker. I'm, I mean, you know. Right, by putting all, you up behind the podium saying, get it up there and do it. Yeah, it's like you've got to learn how to talk about this stuff. Right. And that exposure certainly gave me an enormous leg up, um, so to speak, and um, and also introduced me to a lot of other incredible women who have now been inducted into the Colorado Women's Hall of Fame. Right. I mean, not everybody qualifies, but, uh, but I, I got exposure to uh, Jean Circle right. and some very, very ex- successful women, the kind that, that started the Women's Bank. Right. And I'm a big believer in women opening up their communities just like that and inviting others into be part of a community and um, be exposed and share stories and all, you know, all those same sorts. I think that's a, a thread you and I love so much. And in the midst of right now for any woman who is listening, what would you tell women as far as re- reaching out to others and, and being that, that role model, that hero, that shero to other people? Oh, just do it. Right. I mean, you know, we need to be helping each other and we need to be nurturing each other and we need to be stretching each other. Uh, we need to acknowledge each other. Celebrate uh, each other, right? Absolutely. And encouraging each other. Uh, I mean, why not? Why would you not want to do that? Because that's also how you build the best support system you can have. Right. And they will carry that on as well. It feels so good, right? I mean, it just feels so good to be able to do that with other women and and circle and community. And um, it's just such a a beautiful thing that we can create when we come together in collaboration like that. Yes, we need it. We need it. Yes. So you're about ready to induct a new group of women into the Colorado Women's Hall of Fame. Can you tell us a a little bit about um, how that's going to unfold? Well, I'm no longer on the board. I stepped away f- from chairing the board after our about our 10th, 10th and, or 11th year because I thought it was really important to have new blood and not to, to uh, contract the fun, uh, founderitis disease. <laughs> and so oh, I am not really involved in, um, in the board of directors or their selection committee. Right. Uh, I do know what will happen is uh, in November, 
they will announce the names of the 10 women who are going to be inducted. Uh, the current format has more recently been that they induct more contemporary women than historical women. Okay. And that those, the, of course, the, the, the women themselves and their nominators will be notified. And then things start to, to move towards the induction that is going to be, I believe it's March 28th of 2018. Okay. And, um, at that time, uh, it's, a, it's just an incredible, special event. Um, I've it been to just, it once. And oh, I good. Had, yes, I went to it once. Um, it might have been, I don't know if it was the last time. So is it every other year that you do this? Yes, it's every two years. Right. So I, it was, probably was the last one, and I was just blown away by it. it it's just wonderful. And I was there, too. Um, yes. It was just great. And they've done such a good job, uh, the leadership of uh, over the years. Uh, it was really a good decision to, to walk away from being involved in that sort of day-to-day. So all I'm doing really with the hall now is working on projects. So like last week, I gave a presentation to raise money for the M.L. Hansen Scholarship Fund for the oh, hall. Nice. nice. And... Um, and uh, the weekend before we'd been in Grand Junction, um, I was talking to Girl Scouts, uh, Girls on the Run, and um, Girls from Dance Studios about some of the inductees that were related to them and then giving them a tour of the entire exhibit that was at the Museum of the West. Um, and then last year, uh, we had all 152 inductees in a new exhibit it was at the Denver Public Library for four months, the main branch um, for, oh, yeah, the seventh floor for four months. And we had women in business programs and women in the law and great timelines and the biographies for the women and quotes and everything. And so I worked on that. So nice. I'm really kind of uh, relegated myself to doing more projects for mm -hmm. them mm -hmm. that I feel capable of. I saw the exhibit last year, um, was it last year? It was last spring, actually, I think, that was down at DU um, during one of my Extraordinary Women Connect events that I host. Um, there was um, the Colorado Women Hall of Fame um, exhibit in the hallway, and I know that was in two other buildings as well, but um, it was it was really incredible to see all of the, the photos and the images and, the, and see some of the stories. Yeah, it's just wonderful. It really, it's turned into something. I mean, when we started, I had five black and white photo photographs that had been found in the Molly Brown carriage house, and they were glued to cardboard. And <laughs> with the first induction, I tapped him up against the wall and said, and this is our vision, <laughs> to have a traveling exhibit. And now, I know, the arrogance of youth. Um, and now, um, we've got 152 soon to be 162 uh, portraits and biographies, um, a video project, and they're all nicely framed and nothing is glued to cardboard. Right. That's awesome. That's totally awesome. Well, as we close out today, what I would love to hear is the three pearls of wisdom that you'd like to share with our audience. Well, I don't exactly know what a pearl of wisdom is, but I guess I could give some <laughs> idea of what I think is important for people 
for women to do. Um, okay. And uh, one of them we really uh, we we've mentioned, and that is choose to make a difference and create a legacy. Mm. Um, and another that I think is important for people to for women to be able to be very intentional about uh, practicing gratitude mm, and love. That's a, good one. that's a really good one. And it's really a good one for this, the, these times, right? I think so. And then the last I'd say is to use humor, not to take yourself too seriously. Yes. I mean, some of this all, you know, can kind of be wrapped up in a way of uh, a life well lived and, I like to quote in uh, being somewhat facetious, the immortal philosopher, Indiana Jones, who said, <laughs> it's the mileage. Say that again. It's not the years, it's the mileage. Ah, very good. Yes, that's a good one. <laughs> well, ML, it's been a delight. It's such a pleasure getting the opportunity to chat with you. And I appreciate you sharing your wisdom and your inspiration. I'm sure our audience is going to love you. So thank you. Thank you. You honor me. I'm humbled. Uh, thank you. Have a good day. You too. Bye. Bye. I hope you liked this episode of Extraordinary Women Radio. If you did, please share this podcast with your own special tribe of women and help spread the love, the dreams, and the inspiration. Are you thinking about making the next bold move in your life? I invite you to take the Your Next Bold Move quiz at CammieGellner.com to find out how you can jumpstart a passionate and meaningful next chapter. You may also enjoy my book, Fire Dancer, Your Spiral Journey to a Life of Passion and Purpose, which is available on Amazon. In Fire Dancer, you will become intimately connected to your heart's calling and build the courage and resiliency to ignite your what's next. I'd love to hear from you on any of my social media channels. I'm on both Facebook and Twitter, and the links are available on my website. Till next time, my friend, listen to your heart, follow your dreams, and be you.